Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to True Help Tuesday, and the truth will set you free. Uh, today we're talking about the hip joint, and you're going to love this. Okay, so when we're looking at this, and we want to get into detail, not just at the hip, it's socket, but let's look at all the biomechanics, the innervation, everything. Now, there's a cross-section of that the leg bone called the femur, and the long part coming up is that neck of the femur, and where that femur head goes into that acetabulum. But look at the ligaments around it, because this is very, very important when we talk about, when doctors talk about degeneration, and chiropractors are going to talk about adaptation. Those ligaments, the joint capsular ligament, all of these, these ligaments that connect the bone to bone are actually there to help stabilize and guide it. Now, look at the space around there. The space is full of synovial fluid. So all the joints in the body are hydraulic. So does that mean that if the blood is healthy, it can get into the joints? But if the blood isn't, then the joints can desiccate or dry up. So owning what this structure looks like, how it is hydraulic, those ligaments need to be flexible. So it's incredibly dynamic, incredibly dynamic. Now, the amount of ligaments around this um, neck of the femur, the, the femur head, everything. Look at all the ligaments of the pelvis. This is the most amazing, stable structure. This is why that leg can be moving back and forth, jumping up and down, have full flexibility. You can put it way out to the side or up over your head. But those ligaments are everywhere. That pelvis is incredibly stable from the ligaments. Now, there are muscles that cross it. The piriformis is the only muscle that crosses the anterior aspect of that sacral iliac. Um, now, so does that mean that if you have an increased tone of that, and this is why piriformis syndrome drives me nuts, because it typically indicates that there's an unstable pelvis. Because if you have any altered biomechanics of the feet, knee, or hip, that's going to cause an alteration in gait, destabilizing it, and that'll trigger the piriformis. It's also going to contribute to an increased tone of the gluteus medius, gluteus maximus. But just know that the gluteus medius is the main hip stabilizer for the opposite side. That's right. So if you're standing, let's just say you're standing on your left leg. You lift your right leg off of the floor. Instantly, that left gluteus medius has got to tighten up to stabilize the pelvis so it shifts your entire weight to the opposite side. So anyone with chronic increased tone of the muscles, you've got to find out why they're tight. That makes a heck of a lot more sense. But all of these muscles, they attach to that femur. And they are going to be moving that leg backwards, forwards, out to the side. Huge. Now, let's look at the nerves. Now, a, a dermatome is an area of skin supplied by a specific nerve root. And this is hugely important when we look at the biomechanics of that hip joint. Because if you compromise the nerve supply to that area, um, any area, and I'm talking the wrist, the elbow, the shoulder, and particularly the hip, you're going to compromise the function of that. If you alter the mechanics, you're going to compromise the function of it. But then, and for the doctors out there, uh, one of the most brilliant doctors that I'd, I'd ever taught me, uh, Dr. Jacobson, 
you've got to do two things. You've got to ask the patient and then you've got to listen. And patients literally will trace the nerve from their back up to their front and say, doc, it hurts right here. Sure enough, it's going to be along a dermatomal pattern, but the hip is supplied by the second lumbar nerve. But any type of lumbar deviation causing that pelvis to not work correctly can cause altered mechanics to all of those muscles in that joint. And even that joint has innervation as well. So if you compromise the nerve supply or blood supply, you're going to get altered function. But all of the nerves that supply the leg, the pelvis, everything come out of that lumbar and pelvic. So does that mean bowel and bladder control? Absolutely. Does that mean bunion formation? Absolutely. So I want you to look at the nerves, the blood supply, and the muscles. All has given you clue, and it's never one area is going to have a problem. Now, peripheral nerves, these are nerves away from the spine that join. So, so when you're looking at this, you've got the nerve root coming out uh, of the spine. But then, then when the nerve roots come out, they can join into different areas. And then that is where you're going to get a different nerve um, pattern or configuration. And this is where, as somebody that's familiar with dermatomal positioning, they can check an area to see what area. Is it a dermatomal pattern? Which means that the area of nerve compromise is going to be right next to the spine? Or is it in a more global pattern where it involves multiple areas of the spine? And then that's going to indicate uh, some lesion or problem or challenge or compressed nerve away from the spine. And this could be a physical trauma. I actually had a patient um, who was a mixed martial artist, and he had scar tissue on the psoas, which is a trip because that's a muscle that comes off of the front of the lumbar spine. And he actually had a, multiple, multiple traumas in there leading to that compression. And that was, that was an in, interesting person. So now let's look at this hip dysfunction. Let's look at the ignored causes. And I'm talking hip pain, hip replacements, bursitis, tendonitis, neuropathy. Let's get into it. Now, the ignored causes hip dysfunction. And I mean hip dysfunction. Because when somebody says it's wear and tear, really, what about the other side? Didn't that have the same amount of wear and tear? No, understand that osteoarthritis is not joint inflammation. It's really from trauma. So let's look at these. Neurogenic, this means compromised nerves in the spine leading to altered innervation of that joint in cause of dysfunction. Vascular, um, it, it turns out the more you move a joint, the better that joint. The less you move that joint, the less healthy that joint. Just keep, keep in your mind that picture that all the joints are hydraulic. So if you're in a sedentary lifestyle, and not moving that joint, that joint doesn't have the, the benefit of movement because every time you move a joint, you're increasing and decreasing pressure, allowing fluid to flow into that joint. And then mechanical distortion. So that femur head going into that acetabulum is going to have to adapt to past pelvic traumas, mechanical distortion. It's going to adapt to knee trauma or foot trauma. Because if you're altering the gait, that hip joint is going to be taking that up. So when we look at a normal hip versus a narrowing of the space, 
Now, I want you to understand that that what you're looking at here is it looks like the hip joint going into the acetabulum. That's not actually what you're seeing. I want you to look through that hip, look look through that femoral head and the femoral neck, and you're going to see the socket behind it. And so this femoral head does not completely surround the socket. It only surrounds part of it. And then all the ligaments surround it. So if you look through that normal joint space one, the picture on the left, you can see that white line in the back. That's actually the posterior aspect of that acetabulum. So if there's a compression of that, then the body will remodel it. And so you'll see those ligaments that the capsule ligament, all the other ligaments, can start to ossify or turn into bone to help stabilize an unstable segment. So <laughs> degeneration is not, is not, is not from wear and tear. It is an adaptation from trauma, okay, and an adaptation from altered biomechanics. And you can see this when we look at the top left. A normal good hip has good space, good acetabulum, but keep looking through the head of that femur to see what that back half of the joint looks like. When you're looking at the degenerated hip, it's really not degenerated. It's really adapting to the altered mechanics and force loading. That's what I want you to own. Okay, so these that adaptation of the hip has to do with altered biomechanics, altered force loading. That's why you have to look at the nerve supply, blood supply, everything. Now, hip replacements are, are increasing exponentially. You're looking at 2,000 to 2,010 and 2,000, 138,000 hip replacements. By 2010, 10 years later, a 224% increase. Now, why is that? You know, 75 and older, you're looking at a 92% increase. 45 to 54, fairly young people, 205% increase. Now, these hips only last, you know, 10 to 15 years. So what's going on? Um, Monica Wolford, statistician for the U.S. National Center for Health Statistics, um, looked into this, and they said the main hypothesis is that osteoarthritis is becoming more common. But the statistics in the study don't reveal why the procedures are taking place. Most hip replacements in middle-aged patients are due to degenerative arthritis caused by wear and tear, um, he said. So higher numbers of act active people translate into more arthritis. Thus, the number of patients who are appropriate candidates for hip replacements at a younger age grows. Um, completely wrong, okay, but that was 2015. Now, hip replacements are a burden. Um, osteoarthritis. Now, osteoarthritis is also called degenerative joint disease and degenerative disc disease. But we know that osteoarthritis is from a trauma. It's not wear and tear. Now, osteoarthritis affects 4 million people in the U.S., results in 200,000 primary total hip replacements. Now, the failure of these hip replacements, about 37,000 um, hip failures after the surgery. That's the average cost of $31,000 per case. That's not the big deal. The big deal is death. The revision or, you know, you're redoing it. I like calling it revision. The total hip replacement is potentially morbid with a two to three fold higher risk of mortality 
and major complications than the primary one. So every time you do another hip replacement, it damages the entire system. So let's look at this. Remember, the joint is hydraulic. It needs fluid. You need flexibility of those ligaments in order to keep them alive. If you do not move it, it's not going to get the right nutrients. If you compromise the blood supply or nerve supply, the ligament is going to start to ossify or turn into bone. So this is really arthritic hip joint or in cartilage. You're looking at not wear and tear. You're looking at a long-term adaptation to a toxic and deficient environment, a long-term adaptation to abnormal force loading. And in, what's one of the leading causes of joint destruction? Tylenol, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, okay? What do non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and, and I'm talking all of them, and Motrin, Advil, Aleve, um, Paracetamol in, in, in Asia, it decreases cartilage production, it inhibits the building product of cartilage, pro, proteoglycan production, accelerated bone destruction. So why would we see bone destruction? Well, because the doctors are prescribing something to ease the pain instead of realizing that that hip pain is an alarm. It's an alarm. It's a red flashing light telling you there's a problem. So what are the solutions for this? Number one, get a full series of x-rays. This means the cervical, thoracic, lumbar, pelvic areas, and not just the hip. That doesn't make any sense at all. Because if you have a one-sided problem, a one foot problem, knee problem, or, or, or hip problem, your tire weight's going to shift to the opposite side. If you've had a past trauma where your thoracic area is beat off to the other side, that's going to change the biomechanic force loading. So you have to look at why the hip is damaged. You have to look at the entire structure. Then once the pelvis and lumbar are restored, start on hip exercises. This is the key. Remember, it's a hydraulic joint. You pull that joint apart and you're going to start to Change the biomechanics. Balance the foot and calf exercise with lumbar and pelvic restoration exercise. That means restore the biomechanics. Get proper supplements, nutrition. Eliminate the prescriptions that aren't needed, um, that are toxic to the tissue and regeneration. And then get the deep sleep so your body can regenerate. The things not to do, okay? No hip rehab without correcting the foot and the calf biomechanics you got to look at the hip is not in an isolated environment. you got to change the mechanics of the feet, the knees, the pelvis, the lumbar, the force loading of it. No hip rehab without lumbar and pelvic correction. So you, you cannot work on the hip unless you're correcting the lumbar, the pelvis, the knee, and the foot. Um, no ice therapy, okay, on chronic hip injuries. Uh, why? Because if you put heat on there, remember... All the joints are hydraulic. They need fluid. The moist heat will rush blood to the area. You Oh, I skip three. You must correct pelvic instability before hip pain rehab. Because if your gait has been off, that sacral iliac joint is going to be um, hypermobile. This is why we recommend a trochanter support for anyone who's had a hip issue because that will stabilize it. And then eliminate any prescription drugs that reduce the body's ability to heal. You know, talk with the doctor and say, Doc, why are you giving me this drug when it destroys joint cartilage? If the doctor doesn't understand that, um, find a different doctor. So when we're talking hip, we're looking at also the pelvis. So you may not have direct hip 
um, pain, okay, which is the last presentation of a symptom, but you may have hip dysfunction leading to sciatic nerve, pain when sitting down, bowel and bladder control, sexual dysfunction, pain on walking, foot pain, knee pain, leg pain. And all of these pelvic instability can mimic a hip, and also a hip can mimic this, a hip issue. So stabilizing the pelvis, how do you do that? Um, You can take a chair without arms, turn it backwards, bring your hips out to the side. That'll help stabilize the pelvis. Trochanter support is going to be vital because that pelvis is going to be unstable because of the hip being off. Now, it takes about three to four weeks to stabilize the pelvis. Trochanter support you use every time you're standing or walking. Uh, You don't use it when you're sitting down. It won't do any harm. It'll just wear out early. But that is huge. Then it is vital to restore the hip function. You have to stabilize the pelvis, but you have to look at the calf of the foot biomechanics. So this means a foot on a block stretching that calf. You hold it one minute, twice a day. Then you've got to look at the knee rehabilitation as well. Because anytime you're walking crooked, you're completely altering the foot, knee, pelvis mechanics. So you've got to look at everything. This is the greatest exercise ever. Um, You put a trochanter support on to stabilize the pelvis before you're doing this. A weight to distract that hip. And think of this. Remember, those joints are hydraulic. You want to create inflammation. You want to create inflammation around that joint. So distracting it out and then dangling it. And you'll see in this incredibly wonderful model. Okay, it's my wife. (laughs) When Sarah is swinging her leg, her heel is next to her toes. And when she swings it back, the heel is next to the toe. And this is a very, very great weight. Now she's, uh, I was going to say under five foot. She doesn't want me to say that. But she's short. And so this is a 10-pound weight forcing that joint open. And just look at it like a clock. So that's the rhythm. But that distractive force is going to be amazing. Now, if you could distract it with moist heat, even better. But you have to stabilize the pelvis. you got to do this with the trochanter support. Then turn sitting into therapy. This means a water bottle or a foam piece. Bottom of the elbow is the bottom of the bottle. 20 minutes in, 10 minutes out. 20 minutes in, 10 minutes out. Or if you're sitting at an office all the time, look at a ball chair. Fantastic. Never, ever, ever, ever lay on your back flat on the table with your knees up like this. What this does, this flattens out the lumbar curve. And we need the curve for spinal strength. But also flattening out the lumbar curve opens up the area where the nerve holes are. So you're actually reversing the discs. You're opening up the holes where the nerves are. So this feels good, but you're doing damage. Do not, do not, do not do that. Getting the curve back is ideal. This is why we recommend a modified Cobra. Modified because a Cobra you do with straight arms and you're getting your pelvis is even lifting off. A modified Cobra where the pelvis is actually still stuck on the ground. Other exercises, look at ab exercises, twisting exercises. All of these exercises to restore lumbar and pelvic mechanics are ideal. Now, how long will it take to regenerate the hip? Could take three three to five years, but this is based on fixing the physical, chemical, emotional stress. So it takes consistent exercises. How do you do this? You've got to get healthy, nutrient-rich diet. You've got to, to facilitate that process of regeneration. So you're working that joint, working that joint, putting heat on the joint, 
But then, as long as there's still movement in that hip joint, then it's possible to regenerate it. It really is. Vibration set at 30 cycles a second work. Now, make sure that when you're going to a chiropractor, that they're doing pre and post x-rays to document that they're actually fixing the problem. Hugely important. And you will see that femur get bigger and bigger and bigger gaps. You're going to see the ossification of the joint capsule. You're going to see that start to break up so that there can be um, more normal and more complete movement. This is called Wolf's Law. Bones lay down where it's needed, resorb where it's not. And I'd recommend doing first-year post-x-rays about 90 days to six months intervals to document the changes. Because if there are not changes occurring, then you're missing something, okay? This is why we have the five keys to help. Number one, you need nerve supply. This means you've got to get out of that stress state so you have an balanced automatic nervous system. You've got to restore the nerve supply to the foot, the knee, and the hip, okay? And so that's what I mean when I say nerve supply. Regular exercise, symmetrical exercise to regenerate the joint and to help the brain. Proper nutrition. This means if man makes it, don't eat it. Sufficient rest. This is when your body regenerates. Okay, and prayer and meditation. Look at every study that incorporates prayer shows a facilitation of healing. Plus, man, when you realize the world is built for us and God is in charge and God built you, um, I've got a really good relationship with God. I'm very, very appreciative and grateful. And and I, I wish you as well. God bless you all. Thank you. Please subscribe and share this information. This can be life-changing and life-saving. God bless you all. Oh, also, um, we're going to get to our question and answer. So, so make sure, any questions, post them as quick as you can on this video. And we're going to take, the questions are going to be divided up into two sections. One that I can um, talk, I'm going to self-censor so it can get by on the social media platforms. The other one, that'll be on our Dr. BVIP. But act quickly, so comment, ask your questions, and I'll get to them as quick as I can. God bless you all. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.